0: Several career years for the Nashville Predators, but it all fell apart in the playoffs against the Avalanche. We take a look today at the chances Nashville runs it back today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: What's happening everybody? Welcome to a special crossover episode of Locked on Predators and Locked on Wild, part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making both Locked on Predators and Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Just a reminder, both shows are free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. On today's episode of Locked on Predators and Locked on Wild, we take a look at the offseason for the Predators. Some of the big questions heading into the season will do the same for the Wild. We'll see how both teams stack up in the Central Division and Western Conference playoff picture. My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked On Wild. I'm joined by the hosts of Locked On Predators, Nick Morgan and Ann Kimmel. Uh, good to have you both on. Good to be close to the start of the hockey season. We got one more week. Before the real games get going. So we are uh, all excited for that. And I think we'll start. uh, We'll let the visitors today start with the questions. And so anything wild related. I'm ready.
2: Well, first first off, thank God hockey's back. Uh, Regular (laughs) season hockey. We we get we're a little bit spoiled. We get to the regular season a little bit earlier than the rest of the NHL. Thanks Mm -hmm. to the global series. So yay us. Uh, of course, I would be remiss uh, for my Nashville viewing audience if I didn't lead off with uh, everybody's second most handsome Swiss. Uh, that is Kevin <laughs> Fialo. We know he has uh, departed to the LA Kings in an offseason move. We know he was a big part of what the Wild did last year. Uh, maybe up there, you know, second, third forward, best forward behind Caprizov. How does the Wild fill that void this season?
0: You know, it's funny because you would assume that you would just fill that production with a player, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just say, hey, bring in this free agent and just take all of these goals, all these points and just replicate it. Well, the Wild are going to be relying on a couple of young players to kind of fill together. And so it'll be Matt Boldy, who is going into his uh, second season in the NHL, had a sensational rookie year. And I think, had Boldy played the entire season, he would have been at the very least a finalist for the Calder Trophy, if not the winner. He had uh, 39 points in 47 games and just was an absolute revelation for this offense uh, once he made it into the lineup after being injured to start the season. The big thing that we're going to find out this year is did Matt Boldy stir the drink? for the Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy, Freddie Goudreau line? Or was it Kevin Fiala? Because, uh, you know, 85 points, it's not like Fiala was just kind of a happy-to-be-there part of that line. He very much was a focal point for this wild offense on special teams in five-on-five. He is going to be nearly impossible to replace in that lineup. So you got Matt Boldy. You got Marco Rossi, who will... uh, is expected to make the roster here as uh, another potential Calder Trophy uh, candidate. And so he will replace some of Matt Boldy's production, and it's expected that Matt Boldy will um, take over for Kevin Fiala, and you'll kind of replace it that way. Here's the other thing I was looking at the other day. The Wild were like, I want to say they were 20th in goaltending in the NHL, and they were bottom five in power play and penalty kill. So the the out-of-the-box way to fill all of those numbers is to be better on special teams and to get better goaltending. So they're maybe not going to score as many goals this year, but if they're better in those categories as well, they'll still be the same sort of solid team that they were last season.
1: So you just touched on one of my main questions. So the Wild signed Marc-Andre Fleury for two years, lost Cam Talbot. What is the drama level like when it comes to goaltending with the Minnesota Wild? And do you feel like they have landed somewhere that's going to make them better in net?
0: You know, I think that's a great point because there was certainly some contention with Mm -hmm. the 50-50 split last year. Uh, Cam Talbot and his agent not super thrilled to be part of that uh, going into this season. And there was that uh, pretty vocal blow up at the NHL draft with Cam Talbot's agent basically saying like, hey, we don't want to do this again, and Bill Guerin saying, I don't care. And yeah. it's it's funny because it got to the point where it seemed like everything was ironed out, and then Guerin had the revelation of, you know, if you don't really fully want to be here, let's do something about that. And so he trades Talbot, he gets Philip Gustafson back in return, young goalie who was supposed to be the... Uh, he was supposed to be kind of the guy of the future for, uh, for Ottawa, but it never ended up panning out that way. I'm hoping that he will perform better with less expectations for him. He's the clear backup here, and um, with Jesper Wallstead waiting down in Iowa to eventually be the heir apparent, he's not going to have to shoulder all of that responsibility for this team. And so he can be the backup to Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury is now the clear starter on this team. So there's no there's no sort of who's gonna start in the playoffs when we get to that point. Everybody knows what's going on with this team now, and I think it just eliminates a lot of that tension, a lot of that drama. Although, you know, Cam Talbot, I think to his credit, probably would have gone into the season without any issues, but it just it was one of those things Bill Guerin just did not want to deal with and rightfully so, and it's just unfortunate for Talbot too because he was going to a situation where he was going to have an opportunity to be the starter for the Senators, and now you see the news uh, with his uh, upper body injury that he's now going to be out for five to seven weeks. So it's just yeah, big a, it. a tough break there, but I think the Wilds played it the appropriate way considering the circumstances, mm-hmm. and so I, they're banking on the goaltending being better with everything now pretty cleared up.
1: How are they gonna? How do you think they're gonna split that time? Is it gonna be similar to what they did last season, or do you think Flurry's gonna carry a little bit more?
0: I think the objective for Flurry is to get him somewhere around that fifty start plateau. Mm-hmm. You know, you you then have a backup in Gustafson if he performs well. It's not like he's gonna be starting you know once a week or once every couple of weeks. He's going to get enough play that if something happens to Flurry that he can be, he can give them something. We don't really know exactly what it is yet, but he will get enough of an opportunity to see if he can be somebody that's on this team after this year. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Not really sure if he factors into the long-term plans yet, but he will get the opportunity this year to show if he can be that guy. And if not, the Wild are going to, if Fleury wants to come back for another season, they'll roll with him. If he doesn't, he retires and that contract is off the books. You move on from Gustafson if he doesn't show much and you, you go into maybe a one-year situation where you have to find a goalie until Wallstead is ready. So there are a lot of options, but it's a, really, it's a small picture that the Wild have to try to fill with this goaltending situation until the, uh, the, the brick wall is ready to rock.
2: Uh, You mentioned him in in passing in in one of the previous questions, but I want to hit on Marco Rossi a little bit because this guy, one of the most talked about wild prospects in a long time. We know he's had a very weird kind of road since he's been drafted. We know he uh, missed an entire season due to some long COVID battle uh, complications. And it seems like last year still kind of, you know, starting to get his feet back, still trying to figure where he fits in. Uh, Do you think he's kind of ready to make that full-time jump to the NHL? And do you still have the same level of optimism for him now than you did, say, you know, when, when he got drafted in 2020?
0: You know, I, I think my excitement level for Rossi has been strengthened by what we've seen in the preseason so far. He came into training camp with this look of determination about him and all of the interviews that he's done have furthered that in that look. He understands that, you know, last year was was mainly about just getting him back into a hockey routine. Now he is here to prove it. Now he is here to show that he belongs at the NHL level. And you look at the things that he's done on the ice so far. We we got a chance to see him play with Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame uh, in the preseason game against Chicago. A bunch of guys that just play really hard on the ice. They battle for pucks uh, all up and down the ice. And I think really kind of impress the coaching staff with just how gritty and grindy those guys play. And that's just Rossi in a nutshell is he just is going to give everything that he has out there on the ice. I think Part of that is because of what he has gone through. He understands that this opportunity you know, is, is a gift for him um, after all the COVID-related things that he went through, not really knowing how that was going to play out. And so I think he has this new appreciation of he gets to play hockey, he gets to be a part of the Minnesota Wild organization, and I think it's made his game even better. Oh, and he has just that great skill set offensively that he's able to use uh, set up Tyson Jost for two power play goals on the uh, the first preseason game of the, of the preseason. So he has a great offensive skill set, but if he continues to work hard and just do all the things that the coaching staff asks for him, he's going to play up and down this lineup, and by the time we get to the end of the season, he is going to be a top six guy. I have no doubt that he's capable of it, and I'm really excited to just get his, a chance to see him do it.
2: And last question, I think we have on the wild. Uh, It's a guy that draws a lot of emotions whenever you bring him up in Nashville. That's Ryan Hart. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Big feelings. I'm I'm sorry, Ann. I'm sorry. No, big feelings. Came out of nowhere with with 34 goals last year and uh, 65 points total. Nowhere near his career level, just way above that line. So here's the question for you, Seth is what we saw last year, the new and improved Ryan Hartman, or was this kind of just a one-year, huh, that was weird, and he's going to go back to maybe more of like a 30-point guy from now on?
0: I'm going to use a player comp to try to help illustrate this point, is we saw for a good majority of two seasons ago, when Kirill Kaprizov was a rookie in the NHL. We saw Victor Rask as his center and Matt Sugarello as the winger on that line, and Victor Rask did nothing with that pairing. He was truly the I'm-just-happy-to-be-here guy. He was the anchor up and down the ice. You've got Kaprizov winning the Calder Trophy. You've got Matt Sugarello finding some good chemistry with him, and you literally have... Victor Rask just there for the party. Ryan Hartman comes in and just has this sensational season. And people forget Hartman actually led the team in goals through the first like 22 games of the season. I think he had 14 goals was the count because Kirill didn't quite start the season off from a scoring perspective the way you'd like. He obviously rebounded and then some. But I think the big thing for Hartman is that he benefits by being on a line that is going to shoot. They're going to shoot the puck a lot. They're going to have the puck a lot because of what Kirill brings on the ice. They're going to possess the puck a ton. And Kirill by himself is a generator of so many good opportunities because of the amount of attention that he draws. And Hartman this past season had a career high in shots by a large margin. And a lot of those were just really, really good feeds from Kaprizov. But at the same time, you have to be able to do something with them. Like Victor Rask spent that whole season on the Kaprizov line. And no matter how many times he got great feeds from Kirill, did nothing with it. So I think the offensive skill set has been there. I think he just benefits from the, like, perfect storm situation of having Kirill and Zuccarello who are going to get all the attention from the opponents. And anytime Kirill is trying to fight through a double, if he can get the puck out to right in front of the net, Hartman's going to launch that clap bomb right into the back of the net. And, you know, it's, it's fun because Hartman was one of my favorite players anyway just for how he plays on the ice, and he just – he will throw himself at any puck, no matter the situation. And now that he gets to be a 30-goal scorer, that just that makes it all that much more worth it. I, I would expect he'll be somewhere around that, maybe between 20 and 30 goals, maybe not a 30-goal scorer again. But I've been wrong before, and I would be happy to be proven wrong again. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, for sure, it kind of gets a little bit of that when when Tom Wilson uh, joined Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom, that kind of line uh, vibes there. But uh, but yeah, we had, we had to ask because uh, we s- the Ryan Hartman question raises <laughs> up in Nashville. I think <laughs> mm-hmm. anytime he comes up, so yeah, for sure,
0: of course. Uh, we're gonna flip it now, and I'll ask all the uh, all the burning predator questions because there are there is a former Wild player. That was added to the mix this offseason that I am uh, very curious about. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about plenty more as we continue today's crossover episode of Locked on Predators and Locked on Wild after this. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is another new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Allow me to introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, they're healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run. Don't walk. Run. Run to built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just eat them all. I've done it. So head to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at built.com. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Predators and Locked on Wild, thank you for making both shows your first listen each and every day. And a note for Locked on Wild listeners, Locked on Wild along with all of our other Minnesota podcasts are now available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of Locked on Sports Minnesota. More great local sports coverage 24-7, absolutely free of charge. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Let's talk Nino Niederreiter to start, because uh, Nino, who was at the center of what I commonly refer to as the worst trade in Minnesota wild history, <laughs> is now a member of the Nashville Predators. So, you can both answer this. Where does he fit into this lineup? What what are we getting with this version of Nino that is now part of this Predators organization?
2: Lead
1: it yeah, off. this Nino Niederreiter really has been a gift from heaven for the Nashville Predators last season. One of the most glaring issues that the Predators wrestled with was scoring with their second line. You had Dushane Forsberg and Mikhail Granlund were fantastic on the first line. The second line, there was just an echo when it came to scoring. They just couldn't seem to find the back of the net. And it was one of those things that everybody knew had to be addressed in the offseason. And... All of a sudden here is Nino Niederreiter and let me tell you like he has ridden in on a white stallion holding his hockey stick and carrying with him the good well wishes and hopes of every Nashville Predators fan because he and Ryan Johansson are now on the second line they played together in Portland and picked up right where they left off. It is it is a wonderful bromance that is unfolding in the preseason between the two of them. And all of the sudden Nashville has this second line just packed with scoring potential with Nino Niederreiter. This was such a big signing for the Predators. I think it really brings a whole different dimension to the entire lineup, what you can do now that you have Nino Niederreiter that you can plug in on that second line, all of a sudden now that opens up a pretty wide variety of options for, say, a fourth line, because you've got that second line with, you know, Johansson and Niederreiter. We're thinking it could be young Phil Tomasino with them keifer sherwood played with them today in burn so there's still some options of who's going to be there but the bottom line is signing nita rider was a huge uh, it was a huge problem solved for the nashville predators you know we've seen some of it in training camp we've seen it in the preseason and i really think that's going to continue into the regular season so we just thank you very much
2: we really <laughs> do yeah thank you for nino and not victor rask uh yeah Look, the the other thing that I think is is important to mention, too, is Nino Niederreiter plays the way John Mm. Hines wants his hockey players to play, which is that physical, fast-paced, aggressive four-checking type of two-way hockey. And that's something the Predators didn't really get from Luke Cunnan, another wonderful former Minnesota Wild player, uh, and um, Ellie Tolvanen. Now, Tolvanen's still around, maybe that works out to that other line mate that ann was mentioning but nino niederreiter he is a 20 goal score a repeated 20 goal score and he plays with that same style and he has great chemistry chemistry with ryan (laughs) shout out (laughs) Ann. he has great (laughs) chemistry with ryan johansson and i think that's the big thing so not only you know, do his stats kind of tell his story? But the way he plays, I think, is the bigger thing mm-hmm. for the Nashville Predators when it comes to bringing him in this year.
0: Yeah, Victor Rask is a repeated like six goal scorer, so uh, super <laughs> super happy that that worked out. And it's funny that I'm bash that I'm bashing him, considering he's no longer in the Wild organization. You you'd think you'd just move on, right? Yeah.
2: Sometimes there are still big feelings that linger. It's okay. Yeah, well, you might be familiar with somebody named Ryan Suter. Uh, I don't think oh, we can't that one yet either. No. <sighs> there, there's a there seems to be a lot of player crossover <laughs> between these two teams. I feel yeah, like I'm telling you, down the list and just yeah. going off on tangents.
0: There, yeah, you could have, and we'll have to do this in the off season. Just a six degrees of separation for players that have played on both of these teams, and you could field an entire team with that. Oh um, yes, between yep. the two. Yep. Just a yeah. just a wide mix. I, I wanted to go to the goaltending situation because. We all saw what happened against Colorado. Uh and it's it's tough to try to fill in for a goaltender the caliber of UC Saros. Predators tried Avalanche it was just their year they were not going to be um they were not going to be denied the Stanley Cup this year. So going into this season what have the Predators done to kind of retool the goalie situation behind Saros? Obviously he's going to be the guy Going forward, but uh, what does that goaltending situation look like here for the Predators in 2022-2023?
2: Well, in the offseason, they brought in Kevin Lankinen, who, of course, kind of became Chicago's pseudo-starter at the end of last year when Marc-Andre Fleury got traded to you guys. Um, He comes in on a one-year, $1.5 million deal, so that money screams... Yeah, we kind of want you to be on our NHL team. Uh, John Hines has not committed to him being the backup, though. He has mentioned many times the word competition when it comes to backup goaltender. Connor Ingram, who became the Preds pseudo-starter last year when uh, UC Sorrows went down and David Riddick did David Riddick things. Um, he's still figuring out his role on the team he hasn't had the best preseason kevin lankanen has had a very good preseason Mm -hmm. um but john hines hasn't really committed to who's going to be the backup we think it's going to be kevin Lankinen. we think connor ingram is probably going to be put on waivers and wind up down in milwaukee or unfortunately somewhere else um but we'll have to see because i think whoever it is I think they need to be able to play somewhere in that 25 to 30 game a year range and play very well. And I think that was UC Saros had more starts than any other goalie in NHL last year, not really by design, but more because the predators just really couldn't trust Riddick. Yeah. And me and Andy both love David Riddick as a person. Oh, love it. One of it's our really favorite silly. people to cover Um, But, you know, you look at his stats and it just he he wasn't there. It was at the point where he was actually kind of a liability in some games. So they're trying to avoid that this year. If they can get just like solid average goaltending from one of their backups, you know, enough to help them, you know, stay in some games, win a few games and give UC Soros maybe more 55 around that mark for starts. I think that's probably what the Preds are going to want out of their backup situation.
0: Yeah, that—that's all any of us want out of uh, any of our backup goalies is just, just don't lose the games yeah. that the starter doesn't start.
2: Just yes. don't suck. Yeah, that's it.
0: That's yeah, all we that's need. It. Um, and I've got one for you. Uh, this mm-hmm. this Predators team, since I have started covering the Wild for Locked On Wild. It is a team that has had, you know, so much top level like, hey, career year for this guy, career year for this guy, much like the Wild had this past season. So this top line combo that was so good for the Predators uh, this past season, how capable, obviously very capable, but what are the chances that they are able to do it again at that level?
1: That's such a great question. It's one thing to have a career year. It's another thing to have back-to-back career years. And so I think it's a little bit tricky because honestly, going into last season expectations for at least Matt Duchesne were kind of like, eh, everybody in Nashville was still kind of on the fence about him. And then he really had just an incredible year, 43 goals, um, broke the franchise single season goal record, chased that with Philip Forsberg, um, Forsberg signed a giant contract in the offseason. So once that was kind of resolved, you knew this line was going to come back together. And I think people really wondered, can you create this magic again? Having seen them in training camp, having seen them perform in the preseason, these two are going to be really good again. Um, Are they going to break the franchise, you know, single season goal record again? I don't, you know, it's going to be tough to get 43 goals, but I do think that they are going to be, offensively productive to a spectacular degree sure uh, they really have picked up where they left off that line has great chemistry and kind of the secret sauce of that line is Mikhail Granlund who just silently gets the puck where it needs to go he sets them up so well and you know Mikhail Granlund we are never giving him back just so we're clear <laughs> never giving him back <laughs> um, so when you have somebody like Mikhail Granlund who is just such a smart hockey player so good at anticipating what's going to come next where there's just an ounce of space with him setting up Forsberg and Duchesne again this year I really do think that expectations are high for this line again am I saying that they're going to be 40 goal scorers not necessarily but they are going to be they're going to be the best players for the Nashville Predators and I do think that we're looking at you know definitely 30 goal scorers wouldn't you say Nick
2: I, I would say so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, as as Ann mentioned, maybe they're not going to get to the mark they were at last year. Although Philip Forsberg, if he stays healthy, definitely could because at sort of the advanced analytics. There is a lot of points he left on the table when he missed uh, those few games, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. long stretch in November. So there is some hope there, you know, for, for for Granlin, for Johansson, they don't really need to be the 100 point scores that they were last year. They just need to play well and they just need to capitalize on the chances they get. They need to score probably around 60 to 70 points a year would be nice. As long as there is a wealth of depth scoring on the team, like you said, you don't necessarily need two, three guys to score, you know, ninety, hundred points and carry the team. You just need all lines firing. And if the Preds can get all lines firing, if Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, and Mikhail Granlin can get that combo going, then I think the Preds are set.
0: It's it's like the it's like the St. Louis Blues. Would you rather have three guys that can get you thirty plus or nine guys that can get you twenty goals apiece? Like exactly. if you got that depth scoring yeah. That goes a long way. Um, Final one, Predators-related. I can't believe I didn't ask about this already, and I didn't ask about this the last time we had a uh, crossover. You guys made a pretty sizable trade with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, here in the offseason. Of course, bringing in defenseman Ryan McDonough. Where does he fit into the lineup? Is he going to be on a pairing with, uh, with Roman Yossi, who is pretty good in his own right? Um, Or are they going to try to separate those two to give a little bit more depth to this decor?
2: It sounds like based on everything we've seen from camp and preseason, it's going to be Ryan McDonough and Matthias Ekholm on the second line. Uh, Ekholm's actually moved from the left side to the right side to have McDonough kind of be that anchor on the left it sounds like Roman Yossi is going to be playing with Alexander Carrier who we I don't think we've talked about a lot but he was maybe one of the more underrated players Mm -hmm. the Predators last year so you love those top two lines and for Ron McDonough you know, we, you mentioned he's kind of like a defensive anchor, you know, sort of, you know, he's not what he was with the Rangers, you know, all those years ago, or even his first few years with the Lightning. You know, he's more of a stay at home, very responsible, is not going to make a lot of mistakes in front of his own net kind of guy. Matias Ekholm was kind of cast in that role, but we know Ekholm is a very good two-way player. He's very good offensively, very underrated offensively. So I think this is going to give Ekholm a chance to kind of jump up into plays, maybe be that playmaker, kind of like what Roman Yossi is on that top line. And uh, you know, for, for, I think for the Preds, this gives them a surefire shutdown defensive pair that quite frankly they haven't really had since PK Subban left. We've been talking about this on a few shows before, you know, Subban, Eckholm. everybody talked about Roman Yosi and Ryan Ellis as the scoring line, but Subban and Eckholm were like the two guys that you put against Sidney Crosby's line, Steven Stamko's line. And that line was not going to score because they could not get anything towards the net. I think this is probably um, what the hope is what McDonough and Eckholm are going to be.
0: We call them the clamps, and uh, yeah. Wild know a Wild know a thing or two about having uh, a couple of those guys. So I can uh, I can relate. It's a lot of fun, yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's uh, let's finish by taking a look at the Central Division, and um, going to be that same team probably at the top. But we'll uh, we'll take a look at kind of the we'll do the heat check on the rest of the division. Who we like, who we don't as we uh, finish today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators. Once again, thank you for making both shows your first listen each and every day. Take a moment, subscribe on YouTube, notifications on, and follow everywhere you listen so that you don't miss out because, as we alluded to, hockey is returning very soon. So uh, make sure you don't miss out on anything Predators or wild related as we gear up for the season. All right, the division. Are we going with the Colorado Avalanche? Of course, we're going with the Colorado Avalanche to, uh, to win the division again. And it's, mm-hmm. as I've said on a lot, oh.
1: Are we not?
0: I
2: was like, wait a minute. Had me worried here. I just wanted to look cool. Go ahead, Seth.
0: Is it a fair assessment? And I've asked a lot of the other division, central division hosts. This, is it a fair assessment that there just there wasn't really any team that really did anything to separate themselves, and that includes the Avalanche. You know, they had losses. Nazem Kadri's not there anymore. Andre Burakovsky's not there anymore. Um, Darcy Kemper, whose name I almost forgot, former Wild player, Darcy Kemper's not there anymore. So. They had losses in and of themselves, but just by being as good as they were to begin with, that still is the team to beat, and I know I've seen a lot of national steam that, hey, maybe there are a couple teams in the Central that could give the Avalanche a run for their money. No. There are not.
1: It's a great
2: thought, but I just don't think it's based in hockey reality. I think the thing is somebody else is going to have to prove it Um, because look, the Avalanche lost Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky and Darcy Kemper. And yeah, they have a lot of holes and they have a lot of question marks and maybe they're not going to be the dominant team, you know, going 16 and four in the playoffs or whatever the final line lined up being. But they still got Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and, um, you know, a treasure trove of other really good dynamic players. So, yeah, they're going to be the team to beat unless somebody else in that central division proves they have players that can also play on that level. But I I do, I I agree with what you said. It just seems like there is kind of right now a level of separation uh, between the Avs and that sort of weird core pack of you know like two to three other teams in the central that can conceivably maybe push the abs a little bit if certain things go certain ways but i I do think the abs by far are going to be the favorites and it's it's going to be real interesting the battle to see who that next tier of play like who winds up second and third that to me uh, is going to be a very intriguing battle this year.
0: Um let's go around and let's do this. Give me two teams that people are saying, eh, they they could maybe they could maybe be the term I think is frisky um in the playoff push. They could maybe make some things happen, but uh but teams are not really buying it. And so let's let's go around. I'll start with my two teams that I just absolutely no chance Mm -hmm. Dallas Stars and the Winnipeg Jets like I am sorry and I'm going to be doing a crossover with the Jets this week. I cannot figure out what that team is going to be at all. Like I just I don't get it. Yeah.
1: They're like the eighth grade girl version. Like they're the eighth grade girl version of the central division. Like you just don't know what you're going to get. Like, are they happy? Do they hate you? Do they (laughs) run away? Do they need you to make them cookies? Like, that's the jets they are the eighth grade girls of the central division no idea what's coming out of them
2: no idea what's next if you didn't know ann was a mother (laughs) now you do because that was a comparison that came from
0: the soul i
1: was also an eighth grade girl once, so i know that of which i speak but yeah you just like what you got going on there
0: Yeah, and then I I read that they are not going to have a captain this year, and I'm like, oh, boy, (laughs) that's not going to work well, I don't think.
2: But but (laughs) is it, though? Because from all the rumors and stuff and all the chatter, there's a lot of people that made it sound like that Minnesota Wild – or not the Minnesota Wild. You're the Minnesota Wild. The Winnipeg Jets locker room was just like – a disaster, like a giant toxic sludge of a situation. So, maybe a group it's of eighth grade girls. Bad, yeah, maybe it's not a bad thing that Blake Wheeler loses the C. Maybe you reevaluate some things. Obviously, they got a new coach coming in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, probably a situation to kind of reassess some things, and you know, maybe recenter.
0: And, and maybe I'm massively discounting the Jets because. What did Bill Guerin have to do when he took over for the Minnesota Wild? He had to clear out a toxic locker room, Mm -hmm. and so Rick Bonus doing that for the Jets could have the same results. I just I don't know. Like I look at the roster, and I it's like it's written in hieroglyphics. I'm like I I don't know what any of this means. Mm -hmm. Like these these players play together. I I don't know if they're going to be any good.
2: Well, that's the key, too, is I think you guys had some better players coming behind Parise and Suter, whereas the Wild, you know, a lot of their big names are on the wrong side of 30 or aging out. And the other ones like Pierre-Luc Dubois, you don't really know what kind of player he's becoming I am very intrigued though. I want to talk about your Dallas stars because I agree. That's one of the teams that I think are a lot of people are like, Oh, maybe they're going to be third. Maybe they're second. I talked to my buddy, Dane Lewis at lockdown stars a couple of weeks ago. when We did our crossover. He was very high in the stars, maybe in that surprise team. I, I just don't know what's there, you know? And here's the thing. Are you going to count on uh, Joe Pavelski at, Ninety-eight years old, being the team's like leading scorer again and hitting ninety points—is that what you're really going to like? Hang your hat on? Are you counting on Rupe Hints being like a like a eighty-point guy or whatever he was last year? Are you? And then you know the the thing with Ben and Sagan—you know those are your two cornerstone oh. players—and they you were just absent last year. And it's a lot of things where it's like, I look at last year and I think you know what they might have just kind of lucked into a playoff spot Mm -hmm. they really had no business being in and oh by the way um yeah jason robertson still doesn't have a contract so he's
1: what are they doing
2: there so i I don't know it just seems like the stars are one of those scenes where you know if if jake ottinger is not on his game or he's off or anything like that he's injured this could be an absolute disaster
1: mm-hmm. yeah I agree with you about the Dallas Stars and I think it all comes down like you just said to Jake Ottinger I think he is kind of the ace in the hole for them and if for some reason he doesn't perform as well as he did last season what like I'm not sure what's going to carry that team because he really carried that team. He was exceptional last season, but they need him to be that level. And if he's not, I don't know what you got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it it, it leads to just, I think a similar feel to what we had this past season where you've got, you've got the, the oil on top of the water. I I think that's how that works. Right. Is if you pour oil into water, the oil rises that, Science thing um, You've got those teams up at the top of the division You've got the Avs, then you have some combination Of the Blues, the Wild, the Predators And then you have the Dallas Stars, you've got the Jets And then there is 50 feet And you have the Arizona Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks I, yeah. I think that's how things pretty much uh, divide out here
2: Who do you think yeah. uh, Who do you think finishes higher Blackhawks or Coyotes <sighs>
0: I'm going to take question. I'm going to take Arizona, but yeah, I th- I think it's going to be I think it's going to be painful to watch. And I think it's going to be way closer than anyone would hope for.
1: Yeah, I would love to see Chicago just surprise everybody and and just make just between the two of them, between the coyotes and the Blackhawks, like make it interesting because they're not going to necessarily make it interesting with anybody else, but like, let's make that interesting because like you said, that middle tier, that's where, that's where the action's going to be in the central mm-hmm. division. That's where the good stuff's going to be. And I think that's going to be the good stuff across the league. Like that's where the good stories are going to happen. I don't want to brag, but the central division kind of is going to have it this year.
0: I tend to agree. And so, um, uh... What better way to stay up to date than by following both Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators through the entire season? So make sure you subscribe to both shows. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, hit subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notifications button so that you don't miss out on any videos from either of our shows. We are keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network. Thanks for stopping.